My sermon is entitled, Are You Thankful? A cranky old grandmother is watching her only grandchild on the beach. She's one of those rigid, demanding type of grandmothers who rarely goes out of her way to say please or thank you. While she's reading her magazine, a large wave comes along and sweeps up her little grandson into the surf. He's too small to swim and cries out for his grandmother's help. She rushes out to the edge of the water just in time to see her little grandson's head go under the water. In panic, she falls to her knees and she begins to pray, Dear Lord, I've never needed anything from you, and I haven't asked much of you, but now I'm desperate. You know that this is my only grandchild and that he's about to drown. Please save him for me. No sooner had that cranky grandmother finished her prayer when another large wave came along, rolling up onto the beach and deposited her little grandson right back where he was before. The grandmother ran over and swooped him up in her arms and began to check him out. He looked fine and he seemed to be all right. Then the grandmother gazed upon the heavens and said, Thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer and sparing my grandson. But by the way, he had a little hat on his head. Perhaps this is the attitude which we sometimes show in our thanks to God. Dear Lord, you have been good to us, but it's easy to find an exception which hinders us from being truly thankful. We forget the hardships that were endured by those early settlers of our country. The pilgrims crossed the Atlantic Ocean in a boat only 28 feet wide and 113 feet long with 120 people packed inside. The trip lasted 13 long weeks. When they arrived in the New World, they were greeted by unfriendly Indians in a severe winter. They didn't have modern insulated homes and furnaces that would keep them warm, that we so often take for granted. They didn't have supermarkets that can be driven to in warm cars. They didn't have miracle drugs for their sick. Before spring arrived, half of their population died. When the food supply ran out, Governor Bradford broke into the storeroom for seed corn. Many of their meals consisted of only five grains of corn. When spring arrived, however, the fish returned to the streams, wild game returned to the forests, and they were able to make peace with the Indians. They found herbs and greens and planted a crop which produced great bounty that fall. When the harvest was finished, Governor Bradford established a thanksgiving of three days long. To keep people from forgetting their blessings, he placed five grains of corn next to each plate. 
These people could have been bitter for all that they had previously suffered, but instead they gave thanks to God for having been delivered from their great distress. We too need to be able to see beyond our hardships, to see the blessings of God that we so often take for granted so that we can be truly thankful. Our scripture lesson is from John's Gospel, and it reminds us that the Hebrew people ate manna from God in the wilderness where life was hard and the going was tough. But there's much more to life than physical bread or manna that came to the Hebrews from heaven. Jesus goes on to say, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus, of course, is talking about spiritual hunger and thirst. True thanksgiving begins not with outward abundance, but with inward abundance. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and to have it abundantly. True thanksgiving radiates from the unfaltering conviction that God is good and that the goodness of God abides with us no matter how promising or menacing the outward circumstances are at a given time. That is the true spirit of thanksgiving. It is not the attitude that if things were better right now, I would be more thankful, or I expect to feel more grateful when times improve, or all I need is a better job, a little more take-home pay, a family that appreciates me more, a world left hostile. Only ongoing faith in God's love and kindness lifts us above and transports us beyond such smallness. God alone and no other can do this for us. Thanksgiving has more to do with a person's spiritual attitude than just with his or her physical or material condition. Too often we forget that the most precious things we have are gifts that money can't buy. Think about this. How many of us have a wonderful spouse, children, grandchildren, or perhaps great-grandchildren for whom we would not take any amount of money? How many of us have good friends who stand by us in good times and in bad? How many of us feel the love and support of our church family as together we seek to live a good Christian life in service to others? How many of us fully appreciate the blessings of liberty that we Americans too often take for granted? And how many of us are grateful to God for the very gift of life itself? A truly thankful heart is found in things that money cannot buy. In this season of Thanksgiving, 
Let us always remember that it took a magnificent spirit for the pilgrims to come through that first terrible winter and yet express gratitude. Second, as long as we are truly thankful for something, we will never take it for granted. And if we never take it for granted, we are not likely to lose it. So much is lost today because of an ungrateful heart, marriages, friends, financial resources, and so on. This reminds me the story of a group of golfers who were out one day and they were on the ninth green and that green was close to a city road that went nearby. And as they were there, there was a funeral procession that was going down the road by them. And as the hearse was coming by the green, one of the golfers took off his hat and placed it next to his heart. You are really respectful of the dead, one of the golfers turned and said to him. Well, it's the least I can do. She's been a good wife for 40 years. How many times have we only done the least we can do to show gratitude to God and to others for the many blessings that we have? The words of William Penn are worth remembering. I expect to pass through life but once. If therefore there be any kindness I can show or any good thing I can do to any fellow being, let me do it now and do not defer or neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. This brings me to my final point. If we possess thanks, we will be giving. The two go together like a horse and carriage, like a wheel and axle, like a ball and bat. Thanksgiving is life's most powerful incentive for sacrificial living. The grateful heart is a giving heart. There's an old joke about two Boy Scouts who told their scoutmaster that they good, did a good deed for the day by helping an old lady across the street. Doesn't sound like much to me, said the old scoutmaster. Oh, yes, it was, said the scouts. She didn't want to go, and we had to drag her all the way. Sometimes our good deeds are very much akin to this. Before we do something for someone else, we should consider the true value of it and we should strive to do it in the right spirit. The attitude with which we do a good deed is as important as the deed itself. Unfortunately, we often expect God to fill our stockings like a cosmic Santa Claus. When there are no packages under the tree, we become bitter and resentful. As a result, our lives become bent on self-interest hopelessly shallow and superficial. The solution is to see the beauty of what we have and begin to praise God for the unique place in God's over, overall plan for humankind. The experience of a little lad who lived on a mountainside illustrates this. 
It seems that his family owned a small wood frame shanty beside a mountain stream. There was only one bedroom for all the children, and they were crowded in at night around just a single candle to keep them warm. The chores made for long, hard days, and there were no conveniences such as running water or indoor bathrooms. The lad often went to school in ragged clothes and was envious of other children who seemed to have so much more. Across the mountain, in fact, lived a little girl who had a house with golden windows. In the afternoon, the lad would look across the ravine and admire the glimmering window panes in what must have been a magnificent mansion. One day, he decided to pay the rich girl a visit. He walked the trail down through the valley and he climbed the mountain cliffs to the other side. Finally, he came to the place where the mansion was located, but instead he found one small room shanty like his own. The little girl met him outside and asked him, she asked him, he asked her, where's the house with the golden windows? She replied, it's across the valley on the other side of the ridge. As he turned around to look, he was surprised to see his own humble abode shining in the morning sun. The rays reflected off the window panes with golden brilliance that made his little home appear to look like a glorious mansion. Then the lad realized what was happening. In the morning, the sun would shine on his house, and in the afternoon, it would shine on the little girls. And though they were both were in humble abodes, under the light of the brilliant sun, they appeared to be mansions with golden panes. My friends, it is the shining of God's love into our lives that makes them beautiful and meaningful. It is a thankful heart that makes a house a home and turns the commonplace into the divine. It is the joy of simple things that transforms the mundane events of each day into an adventure in faith. We can never become giving until we learn to say thanks. And as long as we are gazing across the valley in what appears to be a better lot in life, the beauty of what we have and who we are will forever escape us. On this Thanksgiving Sunday, let us, like the early pilgrims before us, give thanks to God for life and love and faith. As Margaret E. Sangster wrote in her poem, Gratitude, I thank you for these gifts, dear Lord, upon Thanksgiving Day, for love and laughter and the faith that bids me kneel to pray, for life that lends me happiness and sleep that gives me rest. These are the gifts that keep my heart serene within my breast. Love, laughter, faith, and life and sleep, we cherish everyone. They carry us along the road that leads from sun to sun. Amen.